Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the like likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of, the, because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks, Kelly. Well done. Could you thank Kelly, everybody, for reading? <laughs> Seeing that she got that reading about five minutes ago. She thought she was reading, I think, a different passage, Romans 1, for some reason. But she wasn't. So well done. Wasn't that band outstanding? Give them a clap. <laughs> Joe is doing an outstanding job of leading that group of people. I think Joe, wherever you are, is the shortest on stage. <laughs> That's just an observation, but when she's back up, just check, just see if I'm right. And I'm pretty confident she is. She's the tiny one. Good evening, everybody. My name is Daryl. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. You haven't seen me for a few weeks. Some of you haven't seen me at all. Um, but it's lovely to see some people, particularly from the Rain family, who are wearing blue tonight. I just think that's very empathetic and supportive. I think it's very gracious of you. Um, if you're not aware, um, I'll go stand over here in the light. I have... Blue socks, blue shoes, blue jeans, blue shirt. And if I need to blow my nose, I have a blue hanky. Because last Sunday night, something significant happened. Did anybody see the game? <laughs> I just want to walk in the light and enjoy it, however short-lived it is. And it will undoubtedly be short-lived. Um, 
thank you for those. If you weren't here this morning, thank you for those who are praying for my granddaughter, Marnie. She had a fall during the week. And that certainly tests you. Some of the words we were singing, when life is, you know, scary, then God is still good. In the midst of all things, life is not always great. Even as a follower of the Lord Jesus, things go bad and things are beyond our control. And that's when you drop to your knees and that's when you really test the metal of your faith. I love that song. I've been singing it for about 46 years of different tune, but I have decided to follow Jesus. And I made that decision 46 years ago, as others in the room have as well, and some longer than that. And regardless of what happened, the decision is always continue. Because at the end of the day, God is good. Isn't this a great message the kids are going to get this week through Kids Club? Regardless of what happens in life, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, tough, or wonderful, through it all, God is good. So we encourage you to pray for these folks and the kids that are coming and the family and 250 is outstanding. It's typical of God. He answers your prayers above and beyond what you asked. I asked for 230. We have 250. God doesn't always answer my prayers in the affirmative. This afternoon as I was leaving for the members meeting, I bumped into we have a new neighbour and uh, I got to introduce myself to them and so that took a little bit longer for me to get here and so I said Lord you know what happened and so I pray for green lights all the way there are 12 lights between me and home and got eight red lights <clears throat> sometimes God doesn't hear well, that's not true sometimes God says no be more organized get yourself get your act together or whatever the Lord says um, but Pastor David was here and he led the opening prayer and to the best of my knowledge I don't think he gave the devotion which is really quite disappointing. Welcome back to Pastor David by the way after being away overseas for what was it six weeks five weeks six weeks had a great time. I learned this week did you know that when you stay in a motel and there's a star rating three and a half stars four stars five stars do you know what the stars mean? I used to think it meant quality doesn't. Put up your hand if you think it means quality. You thought it meant quality. Yeah, thank you. No, you're wrong, like me. Do you know what it means? The facilities that they have. So it could be an absolute dump, but they have a swimming pool and they have this and they have that. Apparently. Well, at least let me quote the authority on which I am quoting this. It's Pastor Charlie. <clears throat> That's what he said. And I went, oh, because David and I both thought, I thought it was quality and cleanliness and that sort of stuff. And apparently, no, David has some stories to tell about that, so you can ask him about those later. It's my pleasure tonight to be able to speak to you and to address a series which I am really excited about. It's called Bells, and tonight we're looking at listening to the Spirit. Um, before we go any further, I would like to pray, and then I'm going to spend a little bit of time doing like an overview capturing what Charlie said a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Brendan said uh, last week and then what I'm going to say tonight <clears throat> and if you've got some questions we may have time for that too. Let's pray. Thanks Lord that we can gather together. Thanks for this magnificent decoration in this building and for the opportunity for Kids Club. We do pray for your blessing and the growth of the kingdom tonight and through this week and then specifically for tonight Lord can you Open our hearts and minds, speak to us, enlighten us, stretch us. 
because we have decided to follow you, Jesus, and we want to know you more and love you more and be more in tune with you. Could you help us in that endeavour, we ask, in your name? And everybody said? I can't see the one at the back, so this is going to be very interesting. As of, in terms of a very quick overview, you probably had this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> How would you complete this sentence? And you get to put up your hand. The Son of Man came... Dylan. To seek and to save the lost. Very good. That's one way. The New Testament gives three ways. The Son of Man came. Seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came... There are four ways that the... Uh, I don't think it says the Son of Man. I think it just says, I came. Good try, no prize. Three ways. The Son of Man came. Seeking to save the lost. The Son of Man came... To... Well, he did come to do that, but no. This is an actual quote. These words are in the New Testament. So you've got to give me chapter and verse. So it's not a, you don't have to give me the chapter and verse, but it's, the, it's an actual quote. It's not the concept. The Son of Man came to die for the world. The Son of Man came to save people. Then no, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10. Mark 10.45. The Son of Man came... Oh, very good, Ruth. Not to serve, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. <coughs> the third way the New Testament uses the phrase... Sorry? Isn't that the other way around? Isn't what the other way around? Are you trying to correct me? <laughs> the Son of Man came not to be served. Did I say it the other way? Oh, rubbish. <clears throat> Put up your hand if you heard me say, the Son of Man came not to be served. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand anymore. <laughs> thank you, David. Where's Brendan? Yeah. <laughs> He's fired as where's Brendan. Um, all right. You might be right, Josh. I apologise. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, they're very famous. There's another one. The Son of Man came. This one will surprise you. But if you were here, I think, when Charlie was here, then you'll nail it. Andrew. Eating and drinking, and they say, here's a drop and a drunkard, and a friend The Son of Man came, Luke 7.34, eating and drinking. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and then it goes on Andrew to say what? Yep. And that's said again in Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. It says, many of the tax collectors and sinners were coming and uh, meeting with the Lord Jesus, and the Pharisees complained, and they said, this man welcomes and eats with sinners. That's where this idea of this series comes from, partly. But then the Lord Jesus says in Revelation 3.20 that he's still doing it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat, commune, fellowship, have close conversation with that person. So he's still in the business of doing exactly that. So that's what this series is based on. They're great truths and great verses. 
And then you would have got Colossians uh, chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And you may have noticed this. Pastor Charlie, I think, would have pointed it out to you. Did you do that? Yep. Two different ways of evangelism in Colossians 4, verse 2. It says, devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful in it. So pray and then watch for the answers and then give thanks for it. And then Paul says, first wave evangelism. And pray for me that my God might give me boldness and courage that I might speak as I ought and that he might, a door of opportunity might be open for me to proclaim the gospel as strongly as I ought. That's the first wave of evangelism. It's where an evangelist is proclaiming the gospel. An evangelist, a gifted person in sharing the gospel, has the opportunities to do so. The passage goes on to say, and there is a second way, verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation always be grace, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how to answer anyone who asks you a question. That's the second way of evangelism. It's not that bold proclamation of the gospel. It's living the life authentically before others. And if they ask you a question, let your conversation always be gracious and seasoned with salt, demonstrate the life of the Lord Jesus. And when they ask you a question, then you answer them. That's their second style. Most of us, I do, fit into that second group. Most of us are not evangelists. An evangelist is a gift and it's an office that the Lord Jesus gives to the church and some people have the gift and church growth experts say that it's about 10% of the church have about that gift. So most of us, while we have the responsibility to be evangelical, to be sharing the gospel, we're not evangelists. So our responsibility is a little bit different and we need to embrace this truth because I think personally it's quite liberating for us if we can get a hold of this. So that's where this series come from. A friend of mine, Michael Frost, he wrote it. And it's based on an acrostic <clears throat> to try to become the church more outward looking. And he uses the acrostic bells, which stands for? B stands for? Bless. E stands for? Eat. L stands for? Listen to the Spirit. L stands for? Learn about Jesus. And the other S stands for? Well, it's sense. But a better word's going to be support because it's really talking about supporting people as they come to faith and so on. So you've had bless, <clears throat> and we've had, um, <laughs> thank you, eat. <laughs> Keep tracking with me, just help me when I brain snap or whatever occasionally. This also happens in three dimensions. This becomes a little bit over-analytical, but that's one of my faults, that's what I do. This happens for us when we gather here. We can do bells here bless each other we can eat with each other we can be listening to the spirit we can be learning about jesus and we can be supporting one another and encouraging one another in the faith so it happens not only when we gather but it also happens when we scatter as we as followers of the lord jesus and that's primarily where this is targeted it's not michael frost the author of the book is not focused about what happens in church he's focused about what happens when we leave church what happens monday to saturday what happens out there and that's where the challenge is to bless others, to eat with them, not just one another, but also others. And with others, to be listening to the Spirit and in the next two weeks, learning about Jesus as well as supporting those who come to faith in Him, something we do privately. Just to remind you, <clears throat> on the blessed part, did you tell them about the blesses and versus the converters and the statistics? Didn't mention that one? There were two groups that went to Thailand, two teams, for evangelistic purposes. One group 
went with a very intentional purpose that they were going to go in and they were going to share the gospel and they are going to try and win people to Christ, going to knock on doors and share the gospel and hand out tracts and do all of the traditional things. <clears throat> and that was their strategy. Another group went, a second group, and they were going to bless the people. They were going to go and speak words of encouragement. They're going to try and find how can we help you? How can we be supportive of you? And guess what the results of those two teams going into Thailand were? The team that went in to bless were 50 times, 50 times more effective than the team that went in to simply proclaim the gospel. Because it's about coming alongside of, getting to know and supporting and then building a bridge where the gospel can quite easily pass over. This is the method the Lord Jesus used all the time. That he would meet with people, meet with sinners, he would eat with them, which is the next one, to eat. And when he would eat with them, it was not an endorsement of their beliefs or their behaviour. Jesus met with sinners. He met with people whom he obviously did not agree with on many things, but in communing with them, and experiencing then this relationship, asking questions and all the rest of it, they come to a point of commitment. Communion preceded conversion or commitment. Think of Zacchaeus. Jesus said, we've got to have lunch together today, and he did, and Zacchaeus gets changed through the process. So that's what we're talking about. To meet with others, not just in the church, but also particularly outside the church, a work colleague, a neighbour, my neighbour that came across today and we met each other for the first time. and <clears throat> uh, She's an Indian from Punjab. And the people in the next door are from Punjab and the people from next door up are from Punjab. And she told me that. I said, they're all from the same area. I said, we've got to get together and have Indian food. <clears throat> she said, yes. So simply by eating together. And Pastor Brendan, I think, told you the story last week that the gospel comes with... I've forgotten... <laughs> a, a recipe <clears throat> the gospel comes with hospitality but that's oh a house key is it a house key oh I can't remember it's the name of a book this lady did he tell you the story show you the video of a lady who yeah a pastor and his family in the same context just met with a lady for two years and not once did he raise the issue of the gospel or Jesus or what do you believe or pushed her on her particular beliefs. And she, I think she was from the LGBTI community. And simply through that process of acceptance and love and understanding who these people were, that she gets transformed by the Spirit of God. At some point, she's got to hear the gospel and respond to it, and she does. And her life is transformed. That's the power of eating with people. When you eat with them, you're not judging them. You're not condemning them. You're not looking for the opportunity to correct them. You're accepting them and wanting to love them and get to know them. And you're sharing about your life and listening to them share about their life. That's what this process is about. So I think the assignment for this week was to eat with at least three people outside your normal rank, either people from the church or people outside the church. Who got to do that? Nobody. Bunch of sinners. <laughs> One person, the biggest sinner of all, got to do it. Well done. Let me encourage you to try and do that. Just have a cup of coffee or a donut with somebody who is at work or take a risk and see what God will do. 
The whole purpose of this is to try to get us to be outward focused, looking for others. What is God doing? Uh, don't beat yourself up about it, but certainly it's the agenda that we certainly want to promote, a value in the life of our church. So tonight we come to the L, listening to the Spirit. This is a topic that I've spoken about over the years, but maybe with a little bit more focus tonight. Firstly, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, and it's probably not even fair just to say that. Oh. Firstly, God is a God who speaks. It's all the way through the scriptures. In fact, it's the true and living God, the Father, Son and Spirit, three in one, one in three God, is a God who communicates, a God who speaks, made us in his image, which is why we can communicate. Contrasted to the deaf, dumb idols who can't speak, who can't move, because they're inanimate and they're not real. But God is true and living. He is a person, if you like, and he communicates and he wants to have a relationship with us. He is the God who speaks. And if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that God speaks in a multitude of ways. He's limitless. And so don't make the mistake of trying to say God can only speak this way. He can speak through prophets or angels or dreams. He can speak through a gentle voice, which is really what I want to talk about tonight. He spoke through the burning bush through thunder and lightning, he can speak through disasters, he spoke through a donkey, he can speak through the fleece, he can speak truth into our heart, he can prompt us, he can put ideas into our minds, he can wake you up in the middle of a dream. All of these avenues are open to God to communicate and to speak with us and we need to learn how he speaks and he certainly wants to speak to us. John chapter 16 verse 13, the Lord Jesus said that I'm going away and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. It's good that I go away because if I don't go, I won't be able to send the Spirit. But when I send you the Spirit, he will come and he will say to you what he hears me say to him. And he will guide you and he will teach you and he will speak to you. You read John chapters 14 and 16 particularly, that last discourse of the Lord Jesus. That the Holy Spirit who indwells us is a God who speaks to us. He prompts us gives us ideas, suggests things to us. He doesn't normally do it with an audible voice that you can hear with your ear. But he can and he has. And there are some examples through history where that's happened, but that's so rare. Normally the Holy Spirit who indwells us speaks from within because that's where he is and he speaks into our spirit he speaks into our conscience he speaks to us the problem for us is that often there is a a lot of static on the line with like listening to the radio or even your phone music sometimes if you're in a crowded you know coffee shop or something like that there's a lot of people talking there's a lot of things going on you can't quite hear what's going on if it's a phone message and so what you have to do is get yourself into a location, go outside and get alone to hear what's going on on the phone. Well, so too for us. Sometimes we need to, and this is a suggestion, once a week. It's not even every day. It'd be great if it was every day, but let's start once a week. Once a week, take some time to get alone with God and with the intention of deliberately listening to him which means you've got to turn some things off in your brain. And so you're not doing all the talking, it's you listening. So it's not just us reading our Bible and praying, closing it and writing in our journal and leaving. It's praying and then listening. 
asking God a question and then slowing down enough to be able to hear what he says to you. What pops into your mind, what sensation you get, whether it's a feeling or whatever. Don't try to limit God. What picture comes into your mind and write it down and through a process of discerning. So number one is if we want to listen to the spirit, we need to pick a time, preferably at the beginning of the week, because he might be directing us to do something through the week. Get alone with him. Then set a time to do that. If you don't book a time in, make an appointment, it's not going to happen. So whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday, early in the week is best. Up to you. You need to eliminate distractions. <clears throat> this is one of the things that we have to learn is that when you go in to listen to God... The evil one who opposes all of this is going to use all sorts of things that you haven't noticed before. <clears throat> you go into your lounge room or whatever room you go into and suddenly when you're trying to still your mind and heart and spirit and listen to what God is saying to you, you'll suddenly hear the clock tick, tick, tick and it'll be a distraction. Hadn't noticed it before but you'll notice it then because the evil one doesn't want it to do it or it'll be a smell flowers or something else in the house or fruit or the garbage bin from the kitchen or something will distract you there's all those sorts of coming through our senses our brains will be active about I've got to do this 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 it's write those things down so you can just put them aside for the moment you don't have to be distracted by them it's stilling everything as best you can the dog next door will bark bloke on a motorbike or drive up the street there'll be all sorts of noises and distractions to cause us to refocus but the idea is to go through a process place yourself in a place and a posture as best you can where you are eliminating those sorts of distractions you probably can't remove everything but remove as many as you possibly can like the lord jesus said in matthew 6 verse 6 go to your room close the door then pray to your father who was in secret same sort of idea eliminate the distractions even the posture <clears throat> think about it find a comfortable chair that you're going to sit in but then think about what you're going to do with your hands it's probably helpful to close your eyes it's not mandatory it's probably helpful though to eliminate distractions of sight what are you going to do with your hands we'll either lace them together or clasp them or leave them facing up or sit on them do some decide what you want to do with your hands so that it doesn't become a distraction be natural be comfortable be yourself but what we're trying to do is to eliminate any form of distraction as best we possibly can to listen to the spirit and then obviously deliberately intentionally draw near james says draw near to god and he will draw near to you so on this beginning of the week this time, let's focus on God's presence. I use my imagination. I imagine I am walking into the throne room of heaven and I am walking up to the throne. Sometimes I just stand before the throne. Sometimes I kneel in my imagination. Sometimes, very few times, but sometimes I even imagine myself climbing up onto the lap of my heavenly father. That helps me focus as I am seeking to draw near, to focus on his presence and to abide in his presence. 
And then I want to become aware of anything that happens, any word or name or idea, thought that comes into my mind, and I write them down. And God can use that. It could be a name. It could be you had coffee with that person last week and the name is to reconnect with them this week, follow that up, or it's a name will come in. You haven't spoken to that person for a long time. Contact that person. Or it's you need to see that person because you've hurt them or you've upset them or something's not right between the two of you. I want you to sort that out. The Father will do all those sorts of things. He'll put things into you. And it could be a word, like I said, a name. It could be a picture. It could be a sensation, a prompting, it's a, an inner awareness of something. Don't limit God. Let me tell you something very personal that I don't think I've shared this publicly. I used to be part of a, a pastoral group of people, 10 pastors, and once a year we'd retreat and we would share and minister, went for four days, and a very powerful time. On one of those occasions, uh, I became aware that God just wanted me to kneel in the midst of these guys and for them to gather around and to pray for me, and they did. And part of it like this, they said, don't limit God, just let God do what God wants to do. And now my experience, my experience was as I was kneeling there, I had a very strong sense of God being with me, and I felt the top of my head here go very hot, it felt like, in fact, the top of my head, you know, lifted up, came off, and like God was pouring something in. Warmth, his presence, his love and stuff. And it's a very weird experience. When they finished praying, they simply said, how was that? What happened? And I said, well, it's a bit weird. And they said, don't limit God. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. So I told them. I shared with them uh, this experience. And now I find on these sorts of occasions, if I'm in a group of people praying or if I'm praying for somebody, whenever I really do sense God's presence, then the same sensation returns. The top of my head gets hot. feels like it gets really hot. It's almost like God putting his hand on my head. And it's just that, I'd say it's tangible. But it's him prompting, it's the Father prompting me and saying, I'm here, listening. So that's one way God does it with me. He may not do that with you, he may do something totally different. And you need to be open to how he does that for you. So draw near to him, that's the point. This stuff is not automatic for us. We need to learn how to listen to the Father, to the Lord, to the Spirit. <clears throat> and as you grow in this, then you'll find that our Father's voice is different to the Son's voice, which is different again to the Spirit's voice. You can discern a slight difference and you'll get used to it. As you gain practice in this, you will know when it's the Lord speaking to you. And it's not the evil one. And it's not your spaghetti bolognese you had the night before. <clears throat> Though those things do happen, but you'll be able to discern the difference. I should say, usually. We're not infallible at this. We do make mistakes. But we do need to learn how Adam and Eve in the garden, they experienced on a daily basis the Heavenly Father, the Lord, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they conversed together. They were intimate. And then because of when sin entered, what happens? They run and they hide and they cover themselves and they hear God coming. And the Lord has to call them out. And when they come out, 
They're even then, they're not open and in tune. They're blaming one another for what's going on. And we live like them now, post the fall, post sin. So this is something we have to relearn and that our father wants us to learn because he's in the process of saving us, re-establishing that relationship. Um, so it's something we'd say, what do you do? Well, ask God questions. Ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Do you have anything you want to say to me? And listen. And if he does, he will. Expect him to answer. If he does say something, make sure you respond to it. Make sure you're obedient to it. If you're not sure, ask him to confirm it. Ask him to make it clear that it's him. You want to learn, but you're struggling. And that's quite okay. We're like Samuel. And Samuel had to be, the Lord had to call out to him. It was audible three times before Samuel got it. It's a learning process. And our Heavenly Father loves us and we're like children. How do children learn to walk? By falling. They get up and they walk and they fall. They get up and they walk and they fall. They get up and they walk longer and they fall. They get up and they walk longer. Before very long, they walk with very little falling. So too with us learning in our relationship with God. We need to respond to what's going on. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to think that was from God when it wasn't. But our Heavenly Father loves us and he will either confirm it or he will also correct us. He'll protect us and correct us. <clears throat> and some of the safeguards to that are if you think God is saying something to you and if you think it's a little bit off the charts then be humble enough to come and to get it checked by other wise counsellors. If you think God is saying to you, God wants me to marry that person, check it. Balance it out. Don't solidly commit yourself, oh, I've heard from God, this is what God wants me to do and I need to go do it. We are not infallible. We can miss here. So you've got to go through this balancing type thing. So ask God to speak to you. Do it tonight, just before you go to bed. Say, Lord, can you speak to me during the night? See what he says. He may speak to you in a dream. Ideas may come into your mind about a difficulty or an issue or a stress or whatever, and that he's, the solution is there. That happens to my wife all the time, all the time. She'll wake up in the middle of the night and she'll be writing stuff down about what God's putting into her head about school or some issues or something else. He's our loving Heavenly Father. He wants to have that relationship with us. Well, just like it says in oops, Romans chapter 8, if you read, I encourage you to read it again, that passage that Kelly read to us. There is at least seven things, and there's about a dozen references to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It talks about the law of the Spirit gives life and sets us free. We are followers of the Lord Jesus. We're not bound by rules and regulations and the law. And it's not about religiosity, it's about freedom. A personal relationship with a true and living God who loves us and who wants to relate with us. In 8 verse 5, in Romans 8, it says um, that the mindset on what the Holy Spirit desires, that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. Verse 6, if our life is governed by the Holy Spirit, then we'll experience his peace. 
Verse 12 and 13 says, we have an obligation to live by the Spirit, to listen, to walk in the Spirit and to follow his promptings. Verse 14 says that we are led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, by him we cry, Abba, Father. We call God Father. That's the Spirit at work in us. And in fact, verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. He testifies. He's talking to your spirit all of the time. Romans 8, 16. And there are numerous other passages, but that's a great one. <clears throat> when it comes to this issue of bills, we need balance. So I'm nearly finished. This is really important that we get this. This, this potentially can liberate us as followers of the Lord Jesus. Um, <clears throat> there are some people, Christians, people who say they're followers of the Lord Jesus, um, but they compromise on their faith. They're backslidden or they're worldly. There's no difference between them and their non-Christian friends and neighbours and work colleagues and so on. They, they're like that. They talk like them, they gossip like them, I don't know if they swear like them, but they behave like them and they have sorts of values, they laugh at the same sorts of jokes and the non-Christians can't tell any difference to those who say they're Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus. That's one group on that extreme over here. Go to the exact opposite extreme over here and these are the people who say they follow Jesus um, and they, they very well may, but they're caught up in the fact that they have to be withdrawn from the world. They're not, they're very different to the world, but, but it's because they have nothing to do with the world. They're in their own little Christian bubble and they have often proud, critical, judgmental attitudes towards non-Christians, that they do the wrong thing. But we feel, these people feel, you know, self-righteous and holy and blessed by God. This is a sort of a, a Christian who would, a, a non-Christian work situation, would not eat with the non-Christians, but would be separated from them and would be reading their Bible and having their lunch and feeling that's exactly what they should be doing. That's an extreme position. If that's license, I have permission to behave like that. And well, this is legality. They're caught up in the rules and regulations of things. The balance is here in the middle. This is where the Lord Jesus was. They're worldly. They're withdrawn. But Jesus says we need to be with them. We need to bless them. We need to eat with them. We need to be listening to the Spirit in the process of doing this. These people imitate the world. These people are isolated from the world. The Lord Jesus is somebody who is inclusive. Not judging. These people following the Lord in the balanced position is you're different to the world, but you are with them. You're not isolated from them. That's what Jesus says in John 17. We are in the world, but not of the world. And if you read John 17 very carefully, it'll talk about the Lord Jesus doesn't want to take us out of the world, but he does want to protect us from the evil one. But he wants us to be connecting with the people around us. And for us to do that, we need to be people who are friendly, who are accepting, different, not compromising, being consistent. Just be a faithful follower of Jesus and you'll be different. And they will ask you questions. What makes you tick? Why don't you do what we do? 
Where does that come from? And you'll find yourself talking about the Lord Jesus eventually. So we are to bless, to eat, and to listen. In other words, we're to be nice, we're to associate with, and we're to be open to the opportunity and let God work his purposes out. If we do that, listening to the Spirit once a week, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then you will experience, where did I get to? In Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go join yourself, well, go down to this road. Chariot comes along, go join yourself to that chariot. The Spirit is leading him, prompting him. You'll experience that. Holy Spirit will nudge you and say, go talk to that person. In Acts 16, it's the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and Silas, and they're trying to go to a place, and they want to go here in the the Lord forbids them, they try to go there and the Lord forbids them, then there is a vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. The Holy Spirit will do that. He'll block certain ways and open certain ways. In Acts 10, it's Peter having a vision. John chapter 4, it's the Lord Jesus who meets the woman of the well, Samaria. Verse 4, I think it's verse 4 of that chapter says to his disciples when he's going up, they would normally go around here on a route back up to Galilee. And Jesus says this time, I have to go through Samaria. There is this divine compulsion on him. I have to go this way. The Spirit of God was directing him, leading him. You'll experience exactly the same sorts of those types of things. We need to listen to the Spirit who will guide us forward and correct any, any of the movements to the extreme. If you're over here, then if you listen to the Spirit, he's going to nudge you this way. Is sin to confess and things to change in your life. Just listen to him. And if you're over here and isolated, then the Spirit of God will be nudging you to, I gave you the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to be building relationships and I'm going to show you how and I'll help you. He's with us. He's very gentle. So B-E-L. Bless, eat with, and listen to the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Set a time. Get alone, eliminate distractions, and then draw near to him. Focus on him. Lord, what do you want to say to me? Here I am, your servant, listening to you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. And as we've heard tonight, well, Lord, we want to hear you. We want to listen to your spirit. We want to experience you guiding us and teaching us. Lord, we want to know you personally, deeply, more. We want to hear your voice and become very familiar with it. We want to commune with you, journey with you. And Lord, whatever you say, we will do. Could you help us to stay in tune, get in tune, be in tune? and to walk in step with you and to be involved with what you're doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.